Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. It's good to see you. Hello, Anna. It's great to be with you again. Well, I so enjoy always being with you, Dr. Jane, and enjoy our conversations so much. And I wanted to let you know that I followed up on our last episode, Observing the Thoughts with the Suggested Practices. And while I'm feeling more confident, sometimes thoughts show up that are really unsettling. And sometimes I'm not sure what to do next, other than, of course, go to the breath. Well, Anna, this is a normal occurrence for many of us. Um, the thoughts arise, they're random, they're spontaneous. Um, they're usually accompanied by emotions because as we've talked before, the body believes everything we think. So the cycle of unpleasantness involving the thinking and the reactivity can sometimes get to be um, almost a daily routine for some people an actual lifestyle. Um, and so what we're looking at is, is we're looking at the option to go to the breath and I applaud you because that's what you did. We need to break away from the cycling that's happening. And you went to the breath, and it's by going to the breath and going to the uh, uh, body and the sensations of the body that we make a conscious choice that gives us distance from the thoughts. It also gives us a, a chance to, to move away from fueling the drama and cultivate that observer self that really provides information. You know, even in, in the distress and unpleasantness, you know, there's information that is useful. So I allow myself to be in this place exactly where I am, feeling exactly what I'm feeling and witnessing it from a place where I'm not fueling it. So it's kind of like I'm in a situation that's unpleasant and I'm saying to myself, oh boy, I can feel the tension in my, in my shoulders and my neck. Gosh, I'm feeling this fluttering in my stomach and my breath is kind of shallow. Wow, yeah, this is, um, I'm really reacting to running late for this meeting. Yeah, yeah okay, well, I'm just going to breathe into this. This is kind of where it is right now. I can feel the tension, breathe into the tension in my shoulders and the fluttering in my stomach. And in this way, I see my thoughts on it. I can actually sense into what's happening in the moment, the reactivity of my body. I'm avoiding the panic. I'm merely saying, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is what's occurring. This is what's occurring. And quite frankly, I can avoid the panic that sometimes goes with this as it escalates. And let's face it, you know, stirring this up and getting myself, you know, in, in high-level reactivity will not get me to the meeting any more quickly. So it's really about just kind of staying with what is, kind of watching the parade of thoughts and feelings, and not getting, not getting caught up in it. Yeah. Well, do you have any suggestions that might be helpful, especially now when we're all so, you know, blindsided by the effects of the new normal that we're experiencing, which has, has a way of really kind of knocking us all off balance? Well, I think you're right. Um, so, so let's talk about coping. I mean, coping is a process where we're putting effort into managing and responding to stress as effectively as we possibly can, rather than reacting. So with coping, I'm trying to manage myself, I'm trying to manage others, I'm trying to manage the situation, you know, and this effort is, is really um, moves us toward trying to minimize the intrusiveness and the damage of stress, and can off, often offer um, a safe haven for us. And there are many kinds of strategies for coping, you know, strategies we learn from our families as we were growing up. We all have our favorites. 
Um, and coping can be both an internal process and an external process. The internal process is when I'm working to change something about myself. I'm working to really change my response to stress from my internal mechanisms outward. Yeah. So like the scenario you just described by checking into the sensations of the body, the breath, and the thoughts that are occurring, we can really keep that reactivity from escalating. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the external process is where I try to uh, um, gain control of sometimes external dimensions of myself or of someone else or of a situation, often with a clear plan of action. I mean, this could be anything from a new exercise program to a new filing system. And I'm shifting something outside myself to manage the stress. So a clear plan of action is important with additionally doing something different to get a different result. Yes, yes. And they're also ineffective strategies. I mean, there there are ineffective strategies of coping, which are very, very temporary. as far as giving us a reprieve from stress, things like resisting or avoiding um, denying issues or medicating issues. I mean, these are, are part of how people try to push it, push it away, you know, and, and we're a feel-good culture. So it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction when discomfort arises that we often reach for that quick fix. We often, you know, use a method that doesn't necessarily remediate the issue, but allows us to kind of push it away or sometimes anesthetize ourselves rather than be being in it, at least for a while. So medicators are those temporary escape um, behaviors, things like um, computer games, social media, TV, shopping, unhealthy consumption of food, alcohol, drugs. You know, these fixes often add more stress complicate and compromise effective uh, coping uh, mechanisms even more, um, and also challenge life more, quite frankly, over the long haul. You know, we're, we're really operating at optimal levels if we can somehow maneuver ourselves into the effective coping processes of an internal process or an external process, or ideally a combination of both, you know, operating responsibly regarding what needs to change within, and then formulating a a plan of action to support that decision. What about sharing our thoughts with others? Oh, and I think that's a a great idea. Um, Really talking about our discomfort or our difficulties can be enormously healthy. Uh, It's a combination of the internal and external coping processes. When we can find someone, you know, to share with a loved one, a friend, a therapist, a counselor, and really allow ourselves to express the emotions, you know, coupled with putting together a plan of action, you know, that can be very, very effective. So the medicators, you know, the quick fix may put off making direct internal and external changes to cope with stress, but I'm sure they can certainly catch up to you in a very frightful ways. Oh, you're absolutely right on it. Sometimes these choices actually add additional problems for sure. You know, and it's important to consider that choosing the most effective coping process is, can be very difficult and sometimes impossible at high levels of reactivity. And we've also mentioned before another factor, and that is that halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You know, these conditions create 
physical, mental, emotional environments that, that really have us operating at deficits. So this is why it's so important that we're building awareness skills because it's through the awareness that I'm able to really move out of that high reactivity and discern, you know, the most effective coping process that's needed and also what's interfering, you know, what's interfering with me finding that. So this is about how we maneuver ourselves through awareness, really to, to take appropriate action and what keeps me from that. You know, I need to be out of the high level of reactivity so that the most sophisticated part of my brain, the cerebral cortex, can come online and be activated to support the process. Yeah, well, we've all seen this play out in the pandemic and it has impacted us all. Yet the impact is, is different for many, you know, depending upon their personal situation and experience, like folks who live alone, caregivers, people who've lost their jobs, who've contract, who contacted the virus or had loved ones contact the virus or passed away from them. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. You're absolutely right on it. You know, all these life experiences that, that you've um, expressed are, are really the, the consequences, you know, of, of this long-term prolonged stressful situation. And, and, and the, the, the thing is, is that uh, there's an increased threat, you know, there's an increased anxiety and, and sense of grief. You know, we talked about that in earlier episodes. The threat is real. And the reactivity is understandable in these unprecedented times. You know, so many are truly depleted and exhausted. And it's gone on for such a long time that coping continues to be, and sometimes increasingly so, an ongoing struggle. Yeah. Yes, people are really struggling. And the coping ability seems to be running out. And certainly the duration of the pandemic is a factor. Um, you know, what else? that you can think of, Dr. Jane, that may be contributing to all of this too? Well, you know, there are a couple other different dimensions. You know, first of all, you know, in our efforts to um, avoid discomfort, very often we put ourselves in what's commonly called an aversion mode of behavior. You know, it tends to be fear-based. You know, it's like looking over our shoulder and, and expecting impending doom, you know, and it includes worry and anxiety, um, critical kinds of thinking, criticizing ourselves. Um, avoiding can be an apathetic kind of a, um, a view of life or disliking everything, anger, hatred, these all play into this aversion mode. And research shows us that this kind of fear-based thinking really interferes with creative problem solving, you know, and, and by not being able to problem solve create, uh, creatively, we also kind of hold up on our sense of accomplishment and really the quality of life. And we wind up working harder rather than smarter and not appreciating um, what we have put in or not feeling fulfilled um, in our efforts. And on the other hand, you know, there's another approach that we could take and it's having a more neutral approach, okay? Um, it's, it's really, it can be positive. It can be, you can start out as neutral, but it could be positive or even hopeful. And by operating in this, this more positive way, we provide for greater problem-solving potential. And what this offers us is possibilities for change. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I could try this or I could try this. And this offers us a greater sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. 
So this often involves knowing what do I have control over and what is outside of my control. And it also includes kind of an acceptance of the inevitable. This is really what's happening right now. You know, knowing what I can change, knowing what I can't control, and allowing and letting be. So the attitude created by these patterns, these approaches, whether it's, you know, the aversion approach or whether it tends to be a more positive approach or more accepting approach, you know, has a lot to do with how we feel about the outcome and also how we involve ourselves in problem solving. It has a lot to do with our backstory. It has a lot to do with the beliefs and the conditioning. And it can be really incredibly impactful. That attitude of how we go into it can be as impactful as the actual behavior. You know, the other dimension that's present in these particular times um, that's so very difficult is the feeling of being trapped. The situations, you know, it's like, I feel like there's no escape. Oh, this is one that so many of us have expressed, you know, during this pandemic, you know, trapped at home, trapped in social isolation, trapped in uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. And the significance of this is incredible because this trappedness, when we're experiencing that, can be one of the most devastating types of stress. It falls into what I, I very often refer to as kind of a learned helplessness arena. You know, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, it doesn't make a difference. You know, I cannot enact a change. Uh, I can't find any emotional nourishment or satisfaction or fulfillment. You know, I'm, I'm really at a dead end. And burnout um, usually involves this particular dimension of feeling trapped, you know, feeling like there's no way out, there's no way to resolve difficulties. And the end stage of this often is physical, mental, emotional exhaustion. And, and this also is not only uh, demobilizing, but can have really devastating health consequences. So activating effective coping processes, even though it's extremely difficult and frustrating, you know, it's so important that we continue um, to find new ways to deal with problems because using the coping mechanisms of the past that are not working sometimes, you know, leads to more of this feeling trapped and it becomes this, this never-ending cycle. And, and it's, sometimes it's just, this is what I know. You know, I know one way to cope. This is how my family coped. I keep doing it. Um, but when it fails to work, then I very often feel even worse because then I'm feeling weak and incompetent or sometimes I want to blame it on you know, something else or someone else. And the more I try to push it away, the worse I feel. So Dr. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So sometimes it's just, it's hard to admit that we're in really tough times on it. And that vulnerability that we feel can just heighten our fears. So Dr. Jane, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, oddly enough on it, it's not about fixing anything. It's not about uh, fixing or ignoring or, moving away from our discomfort, the, the negative thoughts and the, and the negative feelings and the anxieties and the, the vulnerabilities, you know, it's not about pushing those away. It's really about turning toward them with kindness and with compassion, with acceptance, that this is the way it is right now. It isn't about condoning our frailties, you know, or, or making our fears or worries fact. It's just saying, this is what's happening right now, kind of facing into the discomfort, accepting the situation, you know, accepting the fact that, that we're struggling and that this is scary 
and that it can be very maddening and frustrating and that sometimes it feels like it's impossible. That doesn't mean that, that it is impossible. It means that it feels impossible. impossible. So I'm befriending myself, I'm supporting myself, and everything that's playing out. So I'm holding the current reality as it is, not as I want it to be. And this can move us into a deeper understanding of ourselves, it can move us into uh, really understanding different dimensions of the issue, and it also can kind of slow down the reactivity so we can see the nuances of what's happening and sometimes come up with a better solution. Yeah. I bet this builds on some of the previous practices that we've talked about. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about focusing on the breath, focusing on the sensations of the body, noticing the sounds, noticing how thoughts arise, much like the sounds. You know, allowing the unpleasantness or the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings to arise and really moving into that observer self to witness all that's unfolding, noticing the discomfort, noticing the difficulty, not trying to analyze it, but rather dropping into the body and allowing the body to turn toward the ne negativity and noticing where the discomfort is registering in the body, noticing the physical sensations as they present themselves and also as they fluctuate because they're always changing, always changing. Well, Dr. Jane, I would love to give us a try. Oh, good. Well, let yourself settle into your body and find that dignified posture. Uncross your hands and your legs and move to your breath. Just feeling the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath. through your nostrils and the exhale, feeling the sensations from your nostrils across that area from your nose to your upper lip. And just settling in to this sensation of the in-breath and the out-breath. And now noticing the response of the body, particularly movement in the chest and the abdomen on each in-breath and out-breath. And then moving into kind of the scan of the body and contact and sensations, the bottoms of our feet our legs, contact to furniture, clothing, internal sensations, sensations to the surface, moving up the body, up the trunk, the shoulders to the fingertips, the neck, all sides of the head, up to the top of the head, back down to the bottoms of our feet. Just breathing and sensing. Noticing sounds. Just allowing them to be as they are. 
noticing thoughts that want to come in and give meaning or commentary and just notice that and come back to the sounds just as they are, just as they come to you. The loudness, the softness, above and below all sides and then letting the sounds fade and moving into the thoughts allowing the thoughts to arise and move across your mind kind of like watching a parade or clouds across the sky and allow a difficult thought or issue to arise just Remain with it for a moment. Just kind of breathing with it. And then shifting our attention to the body, being aware of the region of the body where tension or pain or physical sensation that accompanies this thought and feeling. Where is it arising in my body? And if it feels like it's too overwhelming, we can always go back to the breath. But as best we can, staying with the discomfort, staying with the difficulty, the unpleasantness, and feeling where it's registering in the body. And breathing in and out of that region of the body. And sometimes offering just a little verbal support of, it's okay to feel this. It's okay that I don't like it. It's okay that it doesn't feel good. But I'm just going to be with it for a while. And from here, as we want to close the practice, we come back to the sensations of the entire body. And then we move back into and gather our attention solely to the breath, feeling the rise and fall of our chest and abdomen feeling the sensations of the in-breath and the out-breath from the nose across the upper lip. And as we end the practice, we reflect for a moment and we ask the question, what do I need now? What do I need now? And then just kind of blinking our eyes open, coming back together. What do I need now? What do I need now? Hmm? Yeah. It's difficult to stay with it at first, especially um, when 
you know, when we allow the difficult thoughts and feelings to start, start to arise, does it get any easier? Well, yes, with, with practice. You know, it's also, you know, we move through this fairly quickly. So, you know, in the, in the actual practice, it's a, it's a longer process. You have a little bit more time to settle in to each of these different components, and that shows up in the video. Um, but yes, with practice, you know, it becomes easier. It also depends on the severity of the issue that we're dealing with. And remember, this isn't about fixing anything. You know, this allows us to build our tolerance to the distress, to strengthen our ability to be in acceptance, and to develop really effective responsiveness. The responsiveness is, what is needed? What is there action that's needed? Is there something that I need to say or do or, or just be with? Um, the other practice, which is also applicable um, to being with our discomfort, is a video that we've already put out there. It's a three-minute breathing space. And in the last minute of that particular practice, when we're breathing with the wholeness of the body, it's to invite an uncomfortable issue in or a thought or a feeling. And to, again, give ourselves the okay to be with it, not particularly like the feeling of it, but to hold the process in kindness and compassion, kindness and compassion. And then following the practice again, to introduce the question, what do I need now? Yeah, this brings us to our next topic of conversation in our next episode, uh, when we'll be talking about self-compassion. Dr. Jane, could you give us a little preview of what that conversation is going to be? Going well, to be sure, Anna. You know, self-compassion is what takes us off the hair trigger of reactivity. You know, this is where we can create a space of kindness for ourselves and for others in which we can explore the difficulties at hand and also find possibilities for win-win solutions and also right action. You know, it's our exploration through the body and its sensations that we cultivate this non-judgmental environment that allows access to wisdom. Wisdom isn't in the head, it really is in the vessel of awareness. And this wisdom is no small thing that allows us to discover what's best needed in this moment. You know, what serves the greater good? And we'll talk more about this next time. Well, thank you, Dr. Jane. Continue to channel the grace. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to exploring self-compassion in our next conversation for the good. See you next time. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Thank you.